Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. We're all intently listening with your ear. Amen. Well, we've been dealing with or looking into, if you could turn with me, please, Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to go right into it, I guess, seeing as you're all ready and prepared. You're all sitting at the edge of your seat looking and waiting. Um, we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 6, and Pastor Richard started a series he entitled Seeing Clearly. Right when he when he first mentioned that, you know what? I heard I thought of a song when I was younger uh, that was very popular, and it used to go, "I can see clearly now. The rain has gone. I can see. Listen, all obstacles in my way. I was a little cloudy and blinded before, but he he talked about seeing clearly, and he began in chapter Isaiah verse six. Uh, when the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Then the following week, he talked about seeing God clearly. And he, uh, he went a little further on in chapters 6, verses 1 through 3, about God being highly exalted, sitting on a throne. And the following week, he talked about seeing Christ clearly. Re Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 18, about Christ sitting on the throne. And last week, Pastor Mike talked about seeing ourselves clearly. Well, that was a tough one, wasn't it? Yes, because we don't like to see ourselves clearly. But to this week, clearly. And if you take a look, it kind of starts large and it kind of funnels down to us personally. And that's the only way really to begin to see ministry clearly. It's got to start with a focus of God. Today's society is very focused on I, me, myself, and I. And I can't, kind of like has the inverted outlook. But we got to look to God as was presented at the very beginning and then it kind of Shrug down to me. What am I to do? And we're going to look at that this morning. So let me read verses 8 and 9. Just a couple of verses, even though we're going to deal with all of chapter 6 all the way through 9. Look at chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is after Isaiah saw the Lord, and then high and lifted up, and then he heard the Lord speak. He said, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? It's not like God didn't know who to send. He already knew who to send. But it's a, kind of like a rhetorical question. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, isn't that ironic? It says for us because Isaiah is overhearing a conversation between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it sounds like they're talking. But they're really talking. Have you been involved in a conversation with somebody and the other two people or three, they start asking, talking about something, and they know they're asking and talking because they're looking for you to solicit your reception. It was just like that. The Lord is saying, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is saying, whom shall we send? And who's going to go for us? And Isaiah says, well, he, he caught a glimpse of the conversation that was really indirectly, if I could use this, directed toward him. And God indirectly directs conversations toward us. Who's going to go for us? Will someone raise their hand and say, I'll go? That's basically what happened. And the pro progression there is very simple. First, he sees God. And you know, when you get a glimpse of God, it's a revelation like you've never had before. 
you know, we know about God. We've heard about God. But when you really see God, it's a relationship and experience that has happened. It's a spiritual transformation or a spiritual transaction that nobody can really deny from you or take from you. You may not be able to fully experience it. I'm sorry, fully explain it. But it can't be robbed or, or plundered from you. You know it's there, okay? And he, he sees God, he hears God, and then he responds to God, okay? He's coming to that personal relationship that I just mentioned with God. And through that relationship, listen, just like Isaiah, through that relationship, we became empowered, if you will, filled with the Spirit of God. The things that we could think, not do before, we could do. The way we couldn't act before, we could do. And it's by the power and the Holy Spirit of God. There's a transformation or a transaction that took place that's not on the natural level. It's spiritual. Okay? It is a spiritual thing. Even some of the songs that we sang today, some of them take a little bit more than just an emotional feeling to be able to sing. Because these are spiritual things. We're talking about a spiritual infinite God that can't be put in a box and defined. You know, we, we've been going through some very difficult, challenging times. Everything was going great, and all of a sudden God says, you know, I could put this spinning wheel in a stop so quickly. And in a few short months, the whole, whole world didn't know what, to, what was going on and what to do. God is infinitely God and always will be. He was before, he is now, and he'll be tomorrow. And that's something that happens in our lives. If we take that into big microcosm and bring it into our own personal life, that's a pretty big thing. I think words, I, I, sometimes words like John on the island of Patmos, I can only explain to you the, the, the limited words that I have to explain what it really is. But you know deep inside your spirit what it is. And that's the important thing. That's what happened to Isaiah. And listen, that, there's a big difference between that happening and just getting involved in ministry. Because you've got to understand, Isaiah was already involved. I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let me see. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Isaiah was a little bit involved. Let me do it now anyway. Because there was chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. He was already in the king's court. But it wasn't until he had that experience with God that he began to hear and see clearly. And then the, the rest is history. So now, we've come into that personal relationship. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Until, listen... What happened with Isaiah is what happens with us and should happen with us. In other words, they became more of God and less of Isaiah. Isaiah was a big shot, you know, in the court. He was the king's prophet. Whenever he, the king wanted, Isaiah, tell us what to do, etc. But it was less of Isaiah and more of God. But, but if that's the case... Am I really needed? The first part, I forgot to tell you what the first point was. Is God talking to me? Is God talking to me? That was the first part. The second part, but if that's the true, am I really needed? Everything's going fine on its own. They don't, I don't, I'm good. The answer is yes. Again, yes. A thousand times yes. You are needed. We are needed. You know why? Because Jesus has need of you. 
because Jesus has need of me. You remember in the story of Luke chapter 19, when Jesus was going to walk into Jerusalem in that triumphal entry, he said, go into the town, there's a colt or a little donkey tied up, and go get it. And if anybody asks you, what are you doing? Say, Jesus has need of it. You remember another story when it was time to have the Last Supper with the disciples. Where are we going to get a place big enough to go take care of this? Everything's booked, Lord. Everything's booked. I want you to go see so-and-so. He has a room. And I tell him, the Lord has need of it. Listen, if the Lord had needed of a little donkey, a little colt, a, little, a room, he has need of you. He has need of you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It's got nothing to do with church programs. It's got nothing to do with being asked by a certain person in the church. The Lord has need of you. Years and years ago, you remember the, the little slogan, Uncle Sam wants you? If some of us are older. I just gave it away how old. But Jesus has need of you. And it doesn't just stop there. Why? Not just because Jesus has need of you but because the multitudes need you. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 36 through 38. <clears throat> Did I get that right? Matthew chapter 9, excuse me. But when he saw the multitudes, as Jesus... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he turned and he looked at his disciples and said, the harvest truly is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Whenever the word truly is in there in the Bible, there's a read truly. There's like an emphatic exclamation point. Therefore, Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. The multitudes need you. They were weary. They were scattered. They were in need of direction. Today's society is weary. It's scattered. It needs direction. Weary, you know what it means in a spiritual, you can, on the natural level, tired, fatigued. On a spiritual level, distressed, harassed. You know what somebody harasses you physically, uh, not physically, but uh, in everyday conversation, if you will. Think about it in a spiritual sense. Like one other issue after another issue after another issue, like Job. Just one thing after another after another. Will this ever stop? Distressed. Scattered has the, uh, the meaning of being neglected or being rejected. They needed direction. There's no better time, no greater time for the church to give direction to today's society and culture. Things have gotten so difficult and challenging and chaotic and no one believes anybody about anything. The church needs to rise up 
like Isaiah was empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a word that makes a lot of sense, that breaks through like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. That's what God's words does. Then Jesus goes on a little further and he says, listen, truly the harvest is plentiful. You know why Jesus hasn't returned yet? Because people still need to hear the message. Not because churches need to be filled, but because people still need to hear the message of salvation. And he's not coming back until that's done. We might be one day closer than we were yesterday, but the, tr- the harvest is plentiful, but he doesn't end. He always, you know, when there's a but or a because in the Bible, you, you got to circle it and you got to read why is it there? Because the laborers are few. Don't you just kind of dislike, I don't want to use the word hate, but dislike that, that, that phraseology or that percentage that says 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 80% of the people do 20% of the work. I've always disliked that because it should be everybody on board. Let's get with the program and get it done and resolved. It's like some of these uh, football players. You know what? When somebody goes down, the next person up, do the job, get it done. He said, pray for the laborers. Oh, we're good at that, right? We're good at praying for laborers. Lord, send John. Lord, Sue needs to really step up her game. No. Not just pray for laborers, but also become a laborer. Become a laborer. Listen, Isaiah was already involved in something in chapters 1 through 5. But it wasn't until he clearly saw, until the obstacle was removed out of the way, and in this particular case, it was King Uzziah. In the year that King Uzziah died. It could be any obstacle that prevented him, well, in his case, that prevented him from being the laborer. Then he was sent out. There are obstacles that prevent us from being laborers for the kingdom of God, for serving for the kingdom of God. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But if that be the case, because what? Because what? The next point is, is it really, really about me? Or is it about God? Is it really about me? About what I can accomplish and what I can do and the name that I can make for myself? Or is it about God? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I can't really see the time that later is so blaring. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. I planted, this is Paul talking. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Look at the next verse. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. I told you, Isaiah was already involved. He was the king's prophet. Come on in and and, and tell us what you got to tell us. But it wasn't until he caught the revelation of that relationship with Christ that he got a clear picture of being sent out. Here am I, Lord. Send me. You know the song that we sung? I was actually going to ask Vilma to sing it, but I just don't, I don't like to kind of interrupt when they're doing stuff. But it's the song that we used to sing. It's all about you, Jesus. 
all this is for you and for your glory and your fame. It's not about me. We could sing it, but you know. You know, right? We like it to be about us. It's really about God. Paul, who many consider the greatest Christian in all of church history, said, it isn't about me. It's not about me. It's not about any great church, any denomination. It's not about any great figure in the church. It's all about God. Isn't that why we're here this morning? We're here to worship. It's all about God. Everything is centered on God. Everything. You walk in the parking lot and people help you park your car. It's about getting into church to worship God. You come through the doors and people take your temperature. They make sure that everything's spot and clean and all that. It's all about you coming in and worshiping God. You come in and you sit down and you hear the song. It's all about getting you into the presence of Almighty God. We take the offering. It's not about to see what's in your wallet, but it's about to say, God, thank you that you've blessed me all this time. It could be so much worse, but it's not. It's about God. Isaiah got the revelation, and man, what a transformation that that was in his life. It's about God. Paul got that revelation. He said, listen, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. I did my part. Apollos did his part. But you know what? God had to finish the job. We've been, we're called to do our part. God's not coming from heaven and opening the door for people or helping someone park in the parking lot. That's what people are for. But God does his part. All of a sudden, you come in and you've got, you got issues on your mind or things weighing heavy on your heart, and God does something the minute you walk through the door and you're a different person when you left. Not that we are like the ostrich that hides his head in the sand and doesn't want to pay attention to what's going around, but God does something spiritually and supernaturally that we say, you know what? God's for me. God's going to get me through this, like the song that we sang. And you know what? We have multiple examples of the past to say he did it then. He didn't change. He'll do it today. He didn't change. He'll do it tomorrow. That's the revelation that we get. But he needed the revelation. The good news. The Bible is full of good news. If it's about God, he'll give the increase. If it's about you, you're going to struggle a lot. You know what? We can do what we can do up to a certain point. And some of us are good at doing certain things. But at certain points, God says, I turn that baby right off. I turn that spigot right off and it'll just become two steps forward and three steps backwards. If it's about God, he will give the increase. Sometimes it doesn't look like increase. But we're talking about spiritual issues here. We're not talking about natural issues. We're talking about spiritual ground that we're taking on a day-to-day basis. Even if it's a baby step, that's a spiritual step in the right direction. Sometimes we want to see heaps and bounds, but instead, instead God's saying, I'm taking you one step at a time here. Right? If you remember the song Vilma sang earlier about he led us through the sea, you know what? Those, those people had to walk in a, on dry land where there was waters on both sides. You'd be a little nervous too, you know, if you were going to walk there and those waters are sitting there like, they're up there, but you know, they could come down at any time, and I'm halfway through. There's no way for me to run back or run forward. God's brought us through a lot. 
If it's about God, he'll give the increase. Listen, if God gives the increase, that takes a great load off your shoulders. Takes a great load off my shoulders. You know why? We don't have to feel like we have to perform. We don't have to feel because we have to get involved because I feel pressured. It takes the load off of us. If we do our part, God guarantees to do his part. There's no need to feel like we have to perform. All we have to do is serve and leave the results to God. We don't have to be worried or envious about the other person serve, but ours. If we do ours, God will take care of our business. If they do theirs, God will take care of their business. Listen, God's not surprised by anyone that doesn't want to take care of his business. He always does a little curveball thing to get others involved if he has to, but then you, we miss out on what was called for us. If Isaiah didn't see God high and lifted up and didn't hear from God and didn't respond, do you think God would have just left it like that? He would have found somebody else to do his job. And Isaiah would have maybe still stayed in the king's palace and been the big honcho in town, if you will, but with no clear message. Today's culture, today's society needs a clear message. The church has to have a clear message. We have to be the clear message. Just serve and leave the results to God. Paul then says, one waters and one plants. The problem sometimes is the one who's watering wants to be the one who plants. And the one who plants wants to be the one who waters. Isn't that funny? We all want to do somebody else's job, but we're not good at it. We're not called for that. We might be good at it, but we're not called for that. How God chooses certain people, I don't know. Why God chooses certain people, we don't know. That's God's prerogative. Someday maybe he'll let us in on it. Why? Too many people have folded under the pressure that they thought they could handle. Trust me, God does not want that to happen. One waters, one plants. There's various types of ministries. Listen, better yet. There's, better, there's various types of opportunities to serve God in your local church, in Victory Church right here. There are various types. Listen, when you walked in today, you saw people helping you park. Some of us need driver lessons, but that's another story, okay? They help you park so that you can get into church, not worrying about, am I getting blocked in today? What was going on? No, uninhibited. Somebody at the door helped you to get through, took your temperature, they told you all, all the good, the church is going, this is going on. They led you to come into the sanctuary unimpeded, emotionally speaking, so that you can worship God. The worship team, Help you sing and worship so that you could get a glimpse of what God is really like. The announcements, if you will, as many as people think an announcement is just an announcement, they help us to realize God is doing something here. And God is doing something there. It's not just about these four corners of a building. God is doing something everywhere that we're not even familiar with. And if we, how will they know unless we tell them? How will, they, how will you know unless we tell you? You want to apply it spiritually, but put it on a common sense level. How will people know unless we tell them? All different types of opportunities. Some you're gifted towards, and some we're not. Nonetheless, God calls us to be involved in some type of ministry, service, opportunity. Call it whatever you want. Just don't say it's for somebody else. The ultimate purpose 
of each and every one of those opportunities, services, ministries. Listen, it's not about me, is it? It's to advance the kingdom of God. It is to advance the kingdom of God. If it was about us, well, I think you might want to fill in the blanks because you know yourself better than anybody else other than God. Okay, and I know myself, and we know, listen, it doesn't take God much to reveal some things in us. Oof, I got to keep that closet door closed because we know how bad, you know, it, it, the, the more, one of the more disappointing things in, in, in today's situations is, is just to see how people really, really are. We've, I was having a conversation yesterday, I like, it's just mind-boggling at how people really are without Christ. And that seems to have come up more to the surface because days are challenging enough as it is. And when you crank up the heat a little more, then you realize, wow. The ultimate purpose of each one of those opportunities is to advance God's kingdom. Take those opportunities spiritually serious. Forget about just serious. Because we can do, you know, we can get serious and do our thing and then go on. But take them spiritually serious. We are advancing God's kingdom. And I, I, I say this. Today's society has so many kingdoms and causes wanting to be advanced. So many wanting to be advanced. Want your time and your effort and your energy to advance those things. And some, some fine. But God's kingdom, however, is the only one that will endure forever. God's kingdom is the only one that will endure forever. When Jesus returns, he's not going to say, hey, I'm glad you did such and such. Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. Kingdoms will come, and kingdoms will go. Causes will come, and causes will go. But my kingdom's lasting forever. I'm sorry, he created everything. He's not going to about to... Stop everything for somebody else's differences of opinion, if you will. But his kingdom will last forever. Let me conclude. So we, we dealt with three things. Four, maybe four things. Hold on. Is God talking to me? Is God talking to you? Isaiah had to hear it clearly. Am I really needed? Is it really about me? Or is it really about God? Isaiah, I mentioned earlier, was already involved in God's business. Some of us are somewhat intricately or indirectly involved, if you will, in quote-unquote God's business. But it wasn't until he saw clearly that he was able to really hear God and he was able to respond to God. If we do things only because we have to, we should, I feel, we miss it out. We miss out on it. Once I, listen, this is what has to happen in us. Once Isaiah's obstacle, what was Isaiah's obstacle? Somebody tell me. Uzziah, okay. Just say king. Okay, there was a king in his way. Once that obstacle was removed, he began to see clearly. He began to see God clearly. He began to see himself clearly. And he began to see his ministry clearly. It wasn't just being in the king's palace, giving the king direction and movement towards for the, king, for the kingdom. 
he began to see his, as a matter of fact, in the next, in one of the verses says, keep on telling these people, they're not listening, they're not going to hear, but you keep on doing it. He began to see his ministry clearly. So let me leave you with this question. Is there an obstacle that is preventing you? What is the obstacle that is preventing you? And if there's one, once it's, you let God remove it out of the way, you'll begin to see God clearly. There's so much that can be done through the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God through this church, but it won't be until people begin to see clearly. And that doesn't mean one person doing 25 things. You know, sometimes you say, everything's running great. No, it is. You just don't see the labor and the toil, right, Pastor Maureen, behind the scene. You know, the greatest time, the greatest way to find out something went good when there's no, nobody says questions about what happened. Hey, it was so smooth. Yeah, well, you don't know the labor and the work that went into it. And, you know, Jesus knew about that because he said the harvest is plentiful, but the labor is a few. It's easy to say, hey, you really should do such and such and pass it on to somebody else. And the obstacles in our way could be this. It could be all kinds of things. It could be our work schedule. It could be our family schedule. It could be our uh, hobby schedule, whatever those things might be. And, and those things are all have an important essence in and of themselves. But if it's an obstacle, we'll never be able to see God clearly. We'll never be able to know this is what God wants me to do. Have you ever seen some of the people that are doing, if I, and I don't mean to be little, the most mundane things in the church? With a step, and they're, they're happy to be doing like they caught a glimpse of God. They caught a glimpse, and they've seen Christ high and exalted. And they know what? They realize this is making people come in with one less baggage to worry about so they can worship God. It's a simple thing. You realize parking a car, in a, yeah, in the specific, yeah. You would be amazed at how people can get ruffled at a, speci- a little problem. You know why? We're talking about spiritual battles here. People come and go with spiritual battles. We are to remove or should be helping to remove those obstacles so people can come in and leave changed. Is there an obstacle that's preventing you? Don't let it be. Be like Isaiah. Don't let God say, okay, i got to get rid of that obstacle, and you're going to see clearly. Because Uzziah's death was pretty serious. Isaiah thought this was the guy. But it was until that obstacle was cleared out of the way, just like that song, I could see all obstacles that are in my way now. I couldn't see them before. But when I caught a glimpse of what God was, and I saw them, and I saw me. And then I said, whoa, God, you can send me. I, I, I might not be ready, but you could send me. And then God prepares and sends. Amen. Let's pray today. We're going to pray as you get dismissed, but if you want to come around and pray, or you want to pray in your seat, that's fine, and if you want to talk to me, that's fine, but let's pray. Listen, let there be no obstacles in our way. Let not us think that Jesus does not need us. The church is all set. It's got its workers, if you will, or it's got, no, 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 no. We all are, I think in the last part of the verse, in Corinthians chapter 3, for we are God's fellow workers. We're all in this together. Isn't that the big slogan of today? We're all in this together. Let's do it right. Father God, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you help us to see clearly. 
And when obstacles get removed out of our way, Lord, we realize that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do and to be who we can't be on our own. But the power and the Spirit of God enables us, empowers us, sustains us through the curveballs of life, through the challenges of life, and causes us to be victorious in the spirit realm and even in the natural realm. God, in this morning, if there's anyone who has obstacles in their way, whatever they might be, Lord, not to take things lightly, but God, help them. Help them to begin to see clearly and to begin to differentiate what are obstacles and what are legitimate issues, Lord. And cause them to say, God, help me to see clearly. And like Isaiah said, Lord, here I am. Here I am, God. What do you have for me? What can I do for you, God? Lord, we thank you today as we've come into your house, as we worship you, as you've spoken to us, Lord God. Let it be maybe a different message for each person here, but let it be something for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord, and we'll see you back. Amen.